Well, good morning. How are we this morning? Great? Excited? It's going to be sunny and warm this week. We're going to put on our shorts, right? Pretend like it's summer? Maybe? Okay. Um, welcome this morning. If I haven't met you, I'm glad that uh, you are here with us. Uh, last week, it was Canadian Thanksgiving. And as many of you know, as an American, I don't quite understand this October Thanksgiving thing. But we have been here four years, so we decided we should probably actually try this Thanksgiving thing, right? So we went to Costco, and we bought all the stuff and whatever. And it happened to be that Kelsey's parents were coming because her birthday was um, last week as well. And since Thanksgiving was early this year, we uh, said, okay, we're going to do this. So we did our normal things, like we play a lot of games at Thanksgiving. Um, I think Kelsey's parents were getting annoyed at me, though, because I kept asking what the rest of the family was doing for Thanksgiving, because I, I couldn't keep remembering that it wasn't a holiday in the U.S., so um, it just was very different, but, and there was no Black Friday. That was the other weird thing for me. I saw one ad that said Canadian Black Friday, but it didn't look like it was a very good deal. So anyway, the idea, though, it, what it did bring to my mind was that it gave me, it gave an opportunity to reflect. So instead of in November, in October, it gave me an opportunity to reflect on what God has provided, that we can be thankful for uh, the blessings he gives each one of us. Um, and it examined our journey with God as we've been on this series with and uh, to kind of uh, journey with that and really understand that. So if you're taking notes this morning, I want to highlight we have an app, if you didn't know, um, that in the YouVersion app, we have a page in there. And so if you want to do that, you can get out your phones and uh, look in your bulletin, and uh, it will uh, tell you how to do all that kind of stuff. So last week, Pastor Mark talked to us about life from God and the idea of what, what that means and, and the bad parts and the good parts and how all that kind of works. Today we're going to talk about life for God, and they're kind of similar, which we'll get into in a minute, but the idea is that we all desire to serve God with our life, but when that service turns to placing our service for God higher than our relationship with God, we no longer are serving in the right manner. When this takes place, we're in this life for God posture. And so you might be wondering, what is this life for God posture? right? Uh, we often hear that word. Maybe somebody goes into ministry um, and we say, they're going to live a life for God. Or we hear it at a funeral, they, they lived a life for God. Or maybe someone encourages you to say, go live a life for God. Or maybe even in your own self, you've said to yourself, I want to live for God. It sounds really grand and noble, right? Like we want to live this life for God. And we might even, at some level, think it might even be achievable if we control it, um, that we could understand what all of what God is maybe asking of us in our church, maybe in our career, in our life, to live this 100% for him. But the posture of a life for God is where we start, where it starts to kind of break down a little bit, because what happens in this life for God posture is we start taking our service, our life, what we do for God, and we place it above him. We decide that this is more important than our relationship with God. Where a life from God 
gives you is more of an accumulation of stuff, right? What can we receive from God? A life for God is more, tangi- is more intangible. It's that service aspect. And when our desire to serve God becomes an idol, we push that mission or our serving out of the way in a relationship and with our relationship for God. So it's important to mention that life for God and life from God both carry this idol. And an idol is just simply defined as something we place higher than God himself. In this posture, life for God, we push away things. So we push away the time we might spend with God, the time we might read, the time we might pray, uh, the time we might reflect. You've heard it around here, Pastor Mark refers to it as your space and place. Where is your space and place with God each day? The time you connect. And this might not always be intentional that it happens. It might be unintentional at times. Here's an example. Joe is a Christian businessman. He decides that after years of working somewhere that he's going to start a business. He believes that he can use some outpourings of that business to be a better Christian witness. He feels this is where God has placed him. So each day before he goes to the office, he finds his space and place. He centers himself, he spends his time with God, he communes with God, right? But then Joe's business starts to take off. And Joe starts getting really busy. He still is on what he believes is this kind of mission or service for God that, that he learned and heard about when he started his business. But that time with God starts to get less and less it starts to get pushed out. It may not be intentional, but life got busy. And so that aspect of that time with God just got kind of moved to the top of the priority list instead of staying down maybe where it should have. So he's really living, he ends up living in this posture of life for God, not in a life with God. Another example is Sally is recently retired. She's excited about retirement and all the things she's going to do. She decides to volunteer here at the church, and she's going to volunteer several times a week and on Sundays, which already sounds like it's going to lead to burnout. But uh, Sally does these things, but she does her space and place in the evening before bed. But over time, the time she spends at night with God becomes more of a duty. It's a checklist something she does each day. She doesn't feel like she's getting meaningful out of it. She might even feel that she could volunteer more if she just didn't have this time. She, she starts to see it as an obligation. Sally is living in this life kind of for God posture. And if we're not careful, this life for God posture can really turn into this works-based impression of God. That the more we serve the more we love, the more we do, the more we try to earn God's grace and love and favor. It's kind of like a tally sheet that our successes in life happen or our relationship with God happens because we did something. 
But we know that that's not how our relationship with God is even entered into. Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. This doesn't mean that you get to stop serving, though. This isn't your out, that your relationship with God, oh, I have a relationship with God, it's not based on works, it's not based on those things. God loves me, so I get to stop serving. No, that's not the out. James tells us in James 2.17 and 18 that, so by faith by itself, it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. So it's important here, the idea of the order. You have this relationship with God, and then, then the overflowing, the outpouring, your understanding of a lovish, gracious God, gracious God that you want to serve is where this works, these, these things happen. When we serve, we serve God not out of a sense of duty or earning love, value, or favor with him. It is because he first loved us. That we show our faith. A great example in scripture of this is Solomon. If you don't know who Solomon is, he's a wealthy king. He's experienced everything in life. He tends to call it meaningless. But he gives us some clues to why life for God posture is not what God probably intended. In Ecclesiastes 2, Solomon tells us in verse 24, there is nothing better for a person than to eat, drink, and enjoy his work. Sounds good. I have seen that even this is from God's hand. Solomon realizes here that that what you do and what happens is all, is all from God. And he continues, because who can eat and who can enjoy life apart from him? You are to enjoy life with God. It's all his work anyway. Doesn't matter whether you're in the life from God where we have accumulation of stuff or you are going to do all these things in life for God. At the end of your life, are you in a posture with God or in a different one? Pastor Mark mentioned John Rockefeller yes, or last week, and I'm going to mention him again because there's another story that kind of goes along with this. So we know that he was the richest man in the world, even by today's standards. But towards the end of the life, Rockefeller only weighed 100 pounds. He wasn't doing well. But his income was a million dollars a week. But the interesting thing for him is, is that he really couldn't do much with it, right? We all, something we all take for granted is breakfast, right? You get to have breakfast every day, or you go to a place where you have breakfast and you just have a special one that you love, and you savor it, and it's just, it's an experience. Well, Rockefeller wouldn't be able to do that at this time in his life. For his breakfast, he got a drop of coffee, 
a spoonful of cereal, a forkful of egg, and a bit of chop the size of a pea. That's it. That's all his doctors would let him have. So may, obviously it wasn't expensive. It would have been a few cents. The richest man in the world, though, couldn't even enjoy breakfast. He couldn't have ordered eggs Benedict with hash browns. Well, he could have probably, but he'd just stare at it. He might smell it, but he couldn't savor it. He couldn't have the experience of it. The story, this story for me really illustrates the point Solomon is trying to make. That life with God is, what's, is what God is achieving. It doesn't matter what you have accomplished with your time if you end up at the end of your journey living in a posture that isn't with God. And and I know that there, there are some great aspects of, of wanting to live a life for God and, and serving and all of those things, and those are very important. But what, what can happen in this life for God posture is that it might look good on the outside. It might even make us feel good, right? That I served God today, or I served my church today, or I have been leading my family well, those kind of things. But what happens is when it starts to switch and we decide to tell God, God, I got this. You've told me that this is where I'm going. I'm going to go do this and this and this, or I need to lead my family well. Okay, but then that becomes on top, and we no longer consult God anymore. We tell him we know what's best, which is kind of interesting. God gave us the mission or the service and then we're going to turn around and tell him what's best for it. And part of it is, is because our self-identity gets wrapped up in it. So what happens is, is uh, we start to find value, our self-worth, our self-identity in the things we do for God. But not always with God. And then this creates this resentment, this anger this selfishness that it becomes about us and not about God anymore. In Luke 15, 11 to 32, we see uh, the self-identity in, come out in the parable of the lost son. Last week, Pastor Mark explained to you the, in this parable the younger son. Um, and I'll just give you a quick recap. So the younger son in this parable goes to his father and says, hey, I want my inheritance, right? I want it now. I don't want to wait till you're dead, essentially, and I want you to give me my share now. So the father does. The son runs out and spends it all, right? Thinks he has lots of friends, whatever, until the money dries up. Then he has to get a job feeding pigs, which for a Jewish man obviously isn't the primo job, and then decides that it's better maybe if he comes home. If he, whatever he does, it worked for his father, whatever it means, I will come home. So he does that. So today we're going to talk about this older son in the scriptures. 
Unlike his younger brother, the older son, and maybe some people can relate, um, is the obedient, the reliable, the responsible one. He stayed with his father. He worked for the family business. He was... He had all these things. And while he may see himself as reliable, obedient, and responsible one, I would challenge you to maybe consider that he might be just as lost as his younger brother. So let's take a look. So uh, set the scene. The younger brother has arrived. The father is throwing a feast. The older son goes to a servant and says, what's going on? The servant says, oh, your younger brother has come, and your father's throwing this big party for him. So we pick up in verse 28, if you're reading along, in Luke 15. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me, gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. When the son, when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill a fattened calf for him. The older brother, the obedient, reliable, responsible one, became angry, resentful, and selfish. He becomes angry. He won't even go into the celebration. He won't even go see his brother. He becomes selfish. He claims his father never gave him anything, right? He never even gave him a young goat to kill and have with his friends. And then he became resentful. The younger son spends all his money, right? On prostitutes, no less, and he gets a celebration. The problem here is that the older son is living this life for God posture. If you look at verse 29, look, all these years I've been slaving for you, and I never disobeyed your orders. The older son's identity was caught up in this, caught in this work for his father, his service, his self-worth and need to feel appreciated was wrapped up in this instead of who God created him to be. And if you don't take anything else out of this message this morning than understanding this about the life for God posture and how it can take you in directions that aren't healthy, is when we confuse who we are in Christ with what we do to serve God, our family, our bosses, we lose the true understanding of what God has for us. We do life with a sense of duty mentality, and then we wonder why we're resentful, angry, and selfish. I'll say that one more time. When we confuse who we are in Christ with what we do to serve God, our family, our bosses, whatever it might be, we lose the true understanding of what God has for us. We do life with a sense of duty mentality, and then we wonder why we're resentful, angry, and selfish. Your self-worth cannot be found in this world. 
whether it's tangible, as Pastor Mark talked about, of things, or intangible in your actions, your service, those kind of things. I can tell you that. Like, I spent years of my life trying to find my self-worth in things that weren't God. That this car, this life, if I did this, if I served here, if I worked there, if I just did this one thing, it's, it's not what God has for you. So this morning I asked you, where is your identity found? The older brothers was found in his work for his father. But look at the father's response with me in verse 31. He says, my son, the father said, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. We notice the younger sons and the, even the older son to an extent, their primary objective was their father's wealth. Along with the older son, his identity was tied up in this as well. In this parable, though, the father's joy comes from not having a son who was obedient, but a son that was with him day in and day out, sharing that relationship. Jesus uses this parable to illustrate what a relationship with God looks like. That father that is with you. That joy that the father has. The joy that we find in a real relationship with God, not a relationship where you're just trying to check off all the boxes and be obedient. But instead a life where you are walking with Jesus in his unconditional love. Life for God can bring you to an unhealthy place where you find yourself empty and resentful. But God wants to be with you. He wants to journey with you. There's a phrase I heard this week um, that I thought was applicable to this. We spend so much time doing, when do we stop and just be with God? Where is that space and place for you? Where do we just be with God? And I'm here to tell you that you've heard this phrase a lot around here and we kind of have adopted it a little bit, um, that life is better with Jesus. And the reason why we say that is because, we, is because it is. You can't put your identity in these other things. You can't try to just strive for this hoping God will bless you or that you will earn more favor or you will earn more love. He's already here. You have that relationship opportunity if you have accepted him. You have that father who loves you, that you can pour your heart out to, that you can have this relationship. You can't do anything to earn that grace and love. You can still serve him as we've talked about, which we which he wants you to do, which is an outpouring of that love he's already given you. We can't try to put our identity in places we shouldn't and push God out of the way. Instead, we need to journey with him this morning. Today, maybe you're here and you don't 
have a relationship with God. You haven't experienced him. We'd love to show you what that love looks like. This unconditional love that just, I don't even know how to explain it. When we were singing this morning, there are points where I just, I get so kind of emotional because this, this love just kind of wells up. And you just want to kind of let it outpour. And so we'd love to show you what that looks like and where your identity can be found. If you're a believer today, I want to ask you where your space and place is. Where are you spending time with God? Maybe you've gotten off track a little and maybe it's not what it used to be. Or maybe it is. And you want to continue. Maybe it's time to add a spiritual discipline of some sort instead on top of what you already do. Also, where is your time being spent? Where are your priority list? Where does God fit in that this morning? Where is your identity found? Following the service, there will be a prayer team down here, and they can pray for you. And uh, if you need that, we'd love for you to come forward. If you are new or visiting um, and don't have a relationship with Jesus, we'd love to talk to you about that. This morning, we're going to spend a few minutes in prayer. And so if you bow your heads with me, and I'm going to give you a little bit of time to just spend some time with God, a couple minutes, and then uh, we will pray together, and uh, we will thank God for all the goodness he has. So if you want to just bow your heads for a little bit, and we'll pray. Father, you are just so amazing. Your love is so overwhelming that we didn't earn that you placed your only son, Jesus, on the cross. That uh, you allowed him to die so we could have life with you. That our relationship with you could be reconciled to the point where we can walk with you, we can call on you. We don't have to earn your love or grace, Lord. We just ask you. You're willing to pour out. I pray this morning that as we think about that and also our service to you, that uh, as we want to live a life, Lord, that serves you, may we never get ourselves in a place where we are just checking off lists or that we're angry and resentful and it becomes about us, Lord. Instead, that it's about you, that we seek you, that you are our number one priority, that we, we spend this time with you, we find our space and place with you each day. That you guide our weeks, you guide that. That you guide us in ways to serve in different areas, to serve in ways that we may never thought we could. That you open doors, that you close doors that need to be closed, that you just are there with us. May we just find that place today. Father, we thank you that we can, that we are blessed. We thank you that 
ultimately you've given us the greatest gift we could have ever wanted, which is a lifetime with you here and in eternity. And that we can have that now, that we can go forward and have this relationship with you. Father, we give this all to you today. In Christ's name.